With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No Good day, good night, and welcome to the Two Solitude Soccer Podcast. This show will be free for everyone to listen to on the feed of soccer today and, of course, on our Patreon page of the Two Solitude Soccer Podcast. I'm Kevin Larmay, joined by Tristan Damour today to talk about the Ottawa Fury situation, cease of, well, cessation of operation for next year for the Ottawa Fury. They will not play in any league in 2020. First of all, Tristan, uh, what did you what did you make of the news before the press conference today? Uh, before the press conference, I mean, I was just very sad. I, for a second, for a brief second, I thought they were going to join the CPL, and I was kind of excited about that. Um, but I mean, honestly, and you know, we were talking about that off air a little bit. I think the the big victims today is uh, is the fan. It's the Ottawa fan. If you're from Ottawa and you're listening to this and you're a soccer fan, I'm really, really sorry that you guys are going through this. I absolutely am, uh, because it sucks to see that your club is, is going away. I mean, we we saw it in, in Montreal with uh, with the Expos, and the club went away. It's not a good feeling, and uh, I, I really do feel for you, um, for, for you, the Ottawa soccer fan. Yeah, absolutely. Let's start with the facts, and then we'll... We'll talk about them. This is from the Ottawa Fury on their social media. Fury SC FC has been forced to suspend operations. Despite best efforts, the club was unable to obtain required sanctioning from its governing bodies to participate in the USL in 2020. From everyone here at the club, we wanted to thank all of our fans for their support over the years. So that's the official aspect, USL. And, uh, of course, the USL was the league that the Ottawa Fury were playing in for the third straight season. And for the USL, it was the only Canadian team. Now, to play in the USL, Ottawa Fury needed the sanctioning from the Canadian Soccer Association, from Canada Soccer, the sanctioning from the U.S. Soccer Federation, and also from CONCACAF. Those three entities were necessary for a out-of-country team playing in a national domestic league of another country, which is the case. It's a FIFA rule, and that's a FIFA rule, Article 43, if you want to be precise. And there's the Article 73 also that talks about the importance of playing in your own national league, which was mentioned last year to the Ottawa Fury when they received their special exemption for this year, for the 2019 season, in the USL saying, we're giving you an extension of this uh, special uh, right that you have to play in an outside-of-country league to get ready for eventually your move to 
can be out because it will be necessary. You cannot play in a similar, right, the same level of league, which the USL and the Canadian Premier League are equal in the eyes of CONCACAF right now. So you cannot play in someone else's league if you have the equivalent in your own country, which is the basis for this decision. And last year, it was announced to the Ottawa Fury that they would not get another extended special derogation. And it all came to uh, to a big conflict. And right now, the Ottawa Fury will not play in 2020. Yeah, uh, I, one thing that uh, I personally didn't know uh, coming from John Pugh in the press conference today was uh, was that in CONCACAF, uh, because, I mean, you know, there are teams from other countries playing in uh, in other leagues uh, around the world. I mean, uh, Pugh was mentioning Cardiff City uh, being a good example of it. Um, that in CONCACAF, and that's not a thing that FIFA has, is that uh, they needed sanctioning every year, which is uh, which is that was new to me. Uh, and well, like, look, I mean, you kind of said it, uh, Kevin. It's it's a uh, it's a complicated one, and the fact that uh, you know we're not going to be talking about the impact the uh, Toronto FC and, and Vancouver because I at least in the eyes of Concacaf the the CPL and uh, the USL championship are at the same level, whereas uh, MLS and the CPL aren't at the same level. Um, it, it was always going to be a conflict, and uh, it felt like they didn't want to fight anymore with uh, the court for arbitration of sport. Um, yeah, I, I think it's kind of a wake-up call now that if you're going to have a club in Canada that plays professional men's soccer, it'll have to be a CPL club. The thing is, this has been mandated by the CSA for a long time. If you remember, in the PDL, it's actually happened a couple of years ago with Kitchener-Waterloo and the announcement by the Canadian Soccer Association that they did not want Canadian clubs to play in American leagues anymore. And if the equivalent exists in Canada, you will not get the sanctioning to play in someone else's league. It's enough already. That was the mandate by Vic Montagliani back then. He was the president of Con- of uh, Canadian Soccer Association, the now president of CONCACAF. So there's precedence for this. And there's been ample time, ample warning over the last more than one year. A year to this date, we had the resolution and the extended for the derogation for the one-year sanctioning in the USL. Now, a year later, it's, it's, it's the result of the same argument. And I'm saying argument purposely here because it's an argument between two distinct groups. And the, casual, the casualties of this, the collateral damage of this is soccer in Ottawa. The collateral damage of this argument is the soccer fans in Ottawa. The actual two groups that are fighting is the Canadian Premier League on one side and Ottawa Sports and Entertainment Group on the other side, the owner of the Ottawa Fury. They were at the same table. They were close to an uh, agreement, and then they weren't last year when it came down to the details of the roster, who you want to be there, how you're going to manage your team, the financial needs of theirs, and the final needs of the the, the league. They were different. Ottawa wanted to control more things, and they couldn't by the laws of the CPL. They never reached an agreement. Both left the table in not the most amicable of terms. And over the last year, there's been a lot of rumors behind the scenes that things are not necessarily well between those two. 
Today, it's a dump you, and OSEG mentioned that they do support the CPL wholeheartedly, but actions do speak louder than words, and over their actions over the last year, it's hard to imagine OSEG as an owner of a team in the CPL for the future as well, so that does not sound good for soccer in Ottawa, at least from this ownership group. No, and uh, I mean, if we talk about ownership groups, it's, uh, you know, the city of Ottawa is is not uh, not very blessed right now with their ownership groups. Uh, if we talk about uh, the, the senators' ownership groups too, but uh, yeah, I mean, the, to the part that uh, I don't see OSEG uh, having a, a club in, in in the CPL in Ottawa. You know, CBC Ottawa um, had the uh, well, I don't know if it's a rumor, but they were reporting that. Uh, um, the OSCG has been considering, or at least John Pugh, I'm assuming, has been considering uh, moving his USL franchise to the US. Uh, you know, the, I mean, just in, in pure speculation, I don't know anything, but, uh, you know, we, we've we had uh, a lot of reports out of Rochester that the Rhinos are, you know, struggling to own it to, 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 to field the team in 2020. So uh, maybe there's uh, there's something in there uh, well, there's, in terms of uh, uh, Pew bringing his franchise uh, south of the border. Um, but yeah, if you know, I think there's definitely interest for the CPL to to move to Ottawa. I mean, I think you know, just as a you know fan of the the the, the global well, not the global game, but the the Canadian game, it's kind of just it goes hand in hand that uh, a, a, a soccer league uh, anywhere in the world should have a, a prominent team in its capital city uh, I think everyone would want to have um, a, a, a club in the city of Ottawa um, now I mean a lot of people uh, within the city of Ottawa don't agree with what's going on right now yeah. so uh, you know that's up for discussion however uh I think that uh, it kind of opens the door now for people that would want to have an ownership group, uh, a CPL ownership group in 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 the uh, in the nation's capital, um, to have a club because now the plane is open and uh, it clearly will not be a USL team, it clearly will not be an MLS team. Um, and, and the CPL is the only uh, the only outlet for professional soccer right now. Yeah, let's continue with a couple more facts, Tristan. Canada Soccer apparently gave their approval for the USL and Ottawa Fury situation for 2020, but they never heard back from USSF and with CONCACAF, and that's why they pretty much threw USSF and CONCACAF under the bus this morning, here's a couple of uh, quotes from the press conference today. This one from Mark Goody, CEO of OSAG, the Ottawa Sports and Entertainment Group. I think it's apparent that soccer's hierarchy is trying to force Fury FC out of the USL. And uh, yeah, so that's one of the statements they mentioned. Uh, politics, according to John Pugh, despite our best efforts over a period of many months, we were unable to obtain full sanctioning. And since schedules must be developed, players signed and tickets sold, we simply ran out of time. That quote is from John Pugh. Tristan, things are not 
as it seems also in USL. If you just look at the Fresno situation, they're stopping operations as well. And there's a couple of other franchises across the pyramid of the USL that are struggling right now. The financial aspect, the way teams are built in the USL is very different than in the Canadian Premier League, which is one of the arguments between the two groups last year is how do you make those two square pegs fit into round holes when they're not built and function the same way. That being said, it is, for me, an interesting aspect that there was only one Canadian team in the USL. And if we look at the political climate in North America right now, which means crossing borders on a frequent period to go play soccer games from with players of diverse backgrounds, with players from different nationalities, players with different type of visa needed to come in and out and all the tax scenarios always, uh, income taxes in Canada are different. So there was a lot of, I would say, barriers to make this happen on a year-to-year basis. And if you are USL, which you are trying to up the professional aspect of your top tier of the USL championship, and you're seeing teams not being able to follow suit, and you have to add one more component of paperwork, visas, and a lot of bureaucracy to have a few games played in Canada if you're an American team. That is part also of the benefit of playing a Canadian team versus in a Canadian league versus a Canadian team in an American league where you do have to figure out a lot more paperwork, visas, financial situation, taxes, income taxes, and transport. Those are all decisions, in my mind, that came into play for the USSF and CONCACAF's reaction towards the demand of the Ottawa Fury to be sanctioned. For sure, those are not coincidences. Uh, no, they're not. They're not uh, there's, there's obviously that reality as well, and then the obvious reality that uh, Canada has, has been moving forward in, uh, in its pursuit of uh, professional soccer. Um, I have the, uh, the CSA's statement regarding the Ottawa Fury um, on my hands right now. Uh, and, and so it, it seemed like uh, the CSA uh, was moving forward with the Ottawa Fury to try and get the, the, subsequent, the, the sanctionings um, for, for them to play in the uh, 2020 season. Uh, it says here, uh, in 2019, Canada Soccer has brought forward to U.S. Soccer and CONCACAF a request for sanctioning of 13 teams across six leagues, including the Ottawa Fury in the USL. So, um, but then again, uh, we heard, uh, we heard. Um, I believe it was uh, Mark Goody saying that uh, the impact the Whitecaps and Toronto FC were uh, were advocating on uh, on their behalf at the at the CSA, and that they. They had the Canada sanctioning. That wasn't the problem. But, uh, yeah, again, to, to everything that you said, uh, there's there's definitely a, a change in, in how, uh, uh, well, at least Canada seems to want its soccer to be played, and it seems that it wants, it wants its professional soccer to be played within its own borders. I mean, you know, I think we're, uh, you, you and I both, uh, Kevin, we were both um, covering the uh, – you know, I think it was three or four years ago when the when the Dynamo de Quebec and uh, and the the Laval Comets uh, didn't get their sanctioning yeah. to go play in the in the UWS as opposed to uh, play in uh, well at that point there wasn't the PLSQ so that's another whole debate but 
it seems like Canada wants its teams that are not the, the, the superpowers and superpowers. I say that with, with air quotes, the, the superpowers that are the, the three MLS clubs. Um, do I know what, what going forward, what it's, what, what this is going to come down to? Um, maybe we're, well, we're going to lose the OSCG. We're going to, we're going to lose people that, um, you know, regardless of if you like their ownership style or not, had invested um, millions of dollars into soccer in, in our nation's capital. So that's unfortunate. Um, but does that open the door for someone else? Hopefully it does. Uh, I have no idea who potentially could take over that, um, that spot, but uh, hopefully someone does because it doesn't seem like it, it'll be uh, OSCG as we know it. And this goes into a deeper movement across the country in Canada to uh, make the top level of a few different soccer pyramid a bit more professional. And uh, to close the show here, the same is happening in Quebec right now in the PLSQ. The Dinamo de Quebec in the PLSQ have announced that they will not continue forward in the PLSQ because the demands of the PLSQ, financial demands and organizational demands exceed their capabilities to to able to sustain their financial viability. So going forward, the PLSQ is going to be a bit more professional and that does not surprise me. There's going to be a panel tomorrow with Quebec soccer representative and the Canadian Premier League representative. There is definitely a closer relationship between the two than last year and that throughout the last season. Right now, it's as close as it's ever been with the U Sports final being held in Montreal this weekend. Also, uh, you can watch games at the Sepsum all the way to Sunday if you are in town. And tonight, there's some some networking events. There's some panel tomorrow. I uh, suggest if you are free tomorrow at 5 p.m., go to the Marriott Hotel at Place du Canada, 1 Place du Canada, on uh, Saint-Antoine, La Gauchetière, in that area, in Montreal, close to the Bell Centre. And you can attend a panel with the future of the Canadian Premier League year one and talks, and there will be representative Canada soccer. But this goes into a more palpable trend about professionalizing top of the pyramids, professionalizing league and organization in soccer in Quebec also. And the Dynamo of Quebec is one of the casualties of this restructuring. Yeah, and, and and that's that's to me. I'm very curious to see, and uh, hopefully, I get to do some reporting on that uh, on that front because I'm I'm personally very curious about this because I uh, managed to obtain the uh, independent report that the uh, uh, Soccer Quebec had uh, had commissioned in order to see the future, to see out the future of the PLSQ, among other things. And um, in, in the report, I mean, there's a very great article, I suggest if you read French in uh, Quebec Soccer Magazine uh, from Caltech Diocese, who spoke about that a little bit, uh, suggesting that, uh, the, that the PLSQ should focus more on development and go into the uh, U23 like kind of an Olympic style thing where it's like a U23 plus uh, four, three or four marquee players that are over the age of 23. Um, I wonder if, and that's among, among a few recommendations that this report has uh, stated. And I really wonder if uh, focusing on development um, 
is the way is, is the way that they're gonna go and if so I wonder and, and you're talking about professionalism uh, I don't I don't know if that ties into the statements that we've got from not only uh, Dynamo Quebec uh, on the men's and women's side but also on if they get snow and to, to, to say that you know in in the span of two weeks we have uh, zero at least on the semi-professional or professional level uh, clubs in the uh, national in, in our nation's capital which that's that's truly disappointing to see. But to, to hear them say that the financial, the new financial um, uh, statements or the new financial uh, requirements of the PLSQ is too much for them, I truly wonder what the ins and outs of the PLSQ is going to look like. And I truly wonder, and because there were rumors flying around that the PLSQ was going to get acquired by Canadian Soccer Business and the CPL. I still very much doubt that this will happen, at least on the short term. Um, but I truly wonder what those changes in financial requirements are, uh, are first, are going to look like, and two, um, is that necessarily for the best, for the better of, well, for now we're talking about Quebec soccer, but is this for the better of, of Quebec soccer because Right now, we have one market, and I'm talking about the greater Montreal area, we have one market representing the PLSQ, which is supposedly a provincial league. That, to me, is concerning uh, because how can you, um, as, a, as a federation, the Quebec Soccer Federation, which owns the PLSQ, how can you uh, run a, a, a pan-provincial league and only have clubs from one area, from one market, from the North Shore of Montreal, the island, the South Shore, and les environs, as we say in French, you know? Yeah, how, I, I'm still very curious as to, like, how this will work and why um, not putting more efforts in at least markets that have youth sports teams. And yeah. I'm still very... Very curious, uh, you know. We keep we keep saying that uh, the CPL can have potentially three markets in in Quebec and in the in the Greater Montreal area, in in the Quebec uh, la, la capitale nationale, and in Sherbrooke. And yet, even on the PLSQ level, people can't seem to like uh, field teams because of financial requirements. I'm still there's still a lot of question marks for me in that area. Well, of, of soccer. Hopefully, we'll get more answers. I uh, believe uh, what they say by uh, the financial needs and the requirements are actually off the pitch. I don't think they're on the pitch. I think what they're talking about staff working with the club, uh, surrounding the players with more care, with literally more than just a few trainers, and have a more professional surrounding for the players to be responsible only for the development. And I think this is going to be a U23 type of setup with a more professional surrounding that you can actually develop standard base requirements for your development of the top teams of your pyramids of your local soccer associations, which is the case of the PLSQ. So, example, the ARS Laval, uh, you have Monteuil, you have uh, uh, Fabrose. So, to have uh, these teams have a, a more professional environment for the players, not the players being professional, but just uh, more of a professional environment. So, more trainers, a bit more 
uh, infrastructures for training, uh, not necessarily having to work full-time jobs at the same time and focus more on development, maybe on the U23 side, but having a bigger staff, a bigger organizational and developing side of these teams. I think this is one of the things that is going to happen, and it might be U23, which is what League One Ontario is becoming, and that mentality, that ideology, I think, is going to spread to the PLSQ. Yeah, I would. I, I like the I like the format and uh, the point that you're bringing about uh, the financial implications being uh, off the field as opposed to on the field is is a good point. Uh, I am I'm a bit I'm still a bit concerned because most of the teams in the PLSU and I'm not quite sure for League One Ontario because I I am not in Ontario and I don't uh, you know know the ins and outs of uh, of League One Ontario as much as the as much as uh, maybe Dwayne probably knows uh, who's uh, who's the regular host on this podcast, but uh, um, I, you know, you have to also uh, uh, realize that a lot of the teams are uh, local federation based, and I wonder if the uh, PLSQ uh, would benefit from having uh, some sort of maybe not to the level of a Canadian soccer business, but have some sort of wing in their organization to find people in order to bring that professionalism to their clubs. Uh, I'm not completely sure as to um, if there's necessarily a, a whole lot of interest. Uh, I know it's um, something that kind of is being in the talks about um, to, to help bring up uh, the level, at least, of professionalism, and uh, tying into what you were saying in terms of the front office staff and making sure the teams are as professional as they can be in a semi-professional context, uh, that would make a lot of sense with what I was uh, being um, at least talked to. I, I, that's at least what I understand. Yep, and it'll be fascinating to see the ramification of everything in the PLSQ as well going forward, but it's unfortunate for FC Gatineau and it's unfortunate for the Dynamo of Quebec going forward will not field teams also in 2020. So a sad couple days in the world of local soccer in Canada. Again, it's unfortunate for Ottawa Fury fans. The Ottawa Fury will not field a team in 2020 and we'll see for the future. Tristan, thank you very much for your time today. Now uh, we'll uh, get ready to see the Canadian national team roster maybe today. Maybe because uh, it's been a few days coming. <laughs> well, it's uh, it's always a pleasure to talk to you, Kevin, uh, and uh, hopefully I'll see you at one of those uh, mixer events. Absolutely. Also, thank you for your patronage to everyone who supports this show on Patreon. Thank you for everyone discovering us. If you like what Tristan and I just did, Dwayne and I do the same once a week, and you'll have more coverage of Canadian soccer coming to you via the premium feed of the Sports Podcast Network, available at patreon.com slash sports podcast network. Right now, $2 feed, the $2 tier will give you access to the Two Side Two Soccer Podcast, just like this show. If you like what you heard, until next time, for Tristan, I'm Kevin Laramie, and we wish you a great soccer.